0: The Talking Points Podcast is produced in partnership with C. Michael Gibson and clinicaltrialresults.org. Marco Valjamigli and Mike Gibson coming to you live from ESC 2022, and we are talking about the Panther trial, a trial looking at P two Y twelve monotherapy versus aspirin monotherapy. Marco, why did you do the study?
1: Well, because I think it's a very open question among clinicians whether to prefer aspirin or rather a, a P P2Y12 inhibitor monotherapy. Of course, the APT is a very very well established regimen, but the question is what do you continue after the APT phase is over? And now the tradition is to continue aspirin. There have been a lot of studies, or some studies better say, that have actually tried to continue the P2Y12 inhibitor instead of aspirin. And Panther is about uh, clustering all available studies together in an individual patient data meta analysis to see whether there is actually one winner. And
0: uh, give us a recitation of kinds of trials you included, how many you start with, how many you get into analysis.
1: So we ended up including seven different studies, uh, starting from the very old and very first Capri up to the very recent OST exam. Uh, they provided overall a 35,000 patient population, yet we pre-specified to focus ourselves on patient in whom there is an established CAD, coronary artery disease. Before, we excluded more than 10,000 patients from Capri, where, as we all know, the entry criteria was actually PAD or recent stroke. That group of patients got out of the analysis and we only focus on CAD patients. Therefore, we have a final population of 24,000 patients who have been randomly located to either aspirin or AP2Y12 inhibitor monotherapy that was either clopidogrel or ticagrel. We have no studies making any comparison between aspirin and prasugrel today. And these were chronic CAD or post-ACS? What kinds of patients were these? That's a great question. And actually, the answer is both, with the majority of patients being post-ACS. 60% of patients were post-ACS and 40% were CCS, chronic coronary syndrome patients. And did you start the comparison, Marco, when they stopped the DAP and went on to the monotherapy? Another great point to discuss, actually, both scenarios were included, either studies directly comparing the two treatment options, such as CAPRI, or, for example, some post-CABG studies, as well as uh, studies in which there was an early DAPT phase, and that comparison only started thereafter. Okay. For this latter group of studies, we completely censored the DAPT phase, meaning patients who died during the DPT phase did not get into the study, but also patients who had an event during the DPT phase were censored. So we only focus on patients who were event-free at the time of the APT discontinuation, and at that moment, the comparison between aspirin or repeat to white 12 inhibitor started. So
0: just, you and I both know, they had to have passed their bleeding stress test during that period. Right probably to end up in the inclusion. So may have cultivated out some people with a little lower risk of bleeding, and they had to survive. So maybe a little bit of lower risk than had you compared them just from the outset.
1: Absolutely. Uh, but uh, clinically speaking, that's a moment in which you would ask yourself the question, which drug to continue. So sure. you're right. There is a selection bias in the approach, but clinically, it's very sound to do so. Two separate questions,
0: though, right? And the question you're answering is after the DAP period.
1: And Marco, this was a patient-level analysis, is that right? Correct. Wow. It took us five years to get the data set of all these studies. Capri was a really big headache, I can tell you.
0: I can understand.
1: And now, drum roll, what did you find? The primary endpoint was, again, the classical combination of CV death and my stroke. That was our primary endpoint, and there was a significant reduction in favor of a P2Y12 inhibitor. There was a significant risk reduction with the number needed to treat for benefit in the range of 120, favoring the P2Y12 inhibitor monotherapy. Now, to get straight to the point, since we had an IPD, we could look into the consistency of the treatment effects, and that was extremely consistent. There was no signal of heterogeneity across all pre-specified subgroups, which were really many, and we really looked into whatever we could look into and it was absolutely no signal of significant heterogeneity there. And what about safety? Again, that's another point. Major bleeding did not differ. There was a numerical advantage in favor of the P2Y12 inhibitor, but that did not reach statistical significance. We did see, though, a highly significant reduction of hemorrhagic stroke in favor of P2Y12 inhibitor, as well as GI bleeding in favor of the P2Y12 inhibitor. Fascinating. And when
0: you looked at the ischemic endpoints, did anything stand out? I mean, was it driven largely by MI or stroke, or did
1: death was death as an endpoint reduced? That is correct. So that was absolutely an equipoise between the two treatment groups as the ratio was very close to one, but there was a 23 highly significant reduction of MI. And stroke formally did not differ, yet there was a p-value of 0.088 in favor of the P2O12 inhibitor, not really driven by ischemic stroke, which were pretty much similar, but again, as said before, largely driven by hemorrhagic stroke fascinating,
0: fascinating. Well, we've known that for quite a while with respect to primary prevention with aspirin, uh, that there were a lot of hemorrhagic strokes and that caused some pushback. And now you're seeing it in the secondary prevention population too, where you may have a safer alternative. Well, at the end of the day, Marco, what's it going to take to change practice? Are we there yet? Is this going to be included in guidelines? You see the guidelines, recommendations changing,
1: practice changing? Well, I hope so. It's difficult to tell because, of course, the hankering towards aspirin is extremely high nowadays. But I have to say that the more we look into the data, the more we see that perhaps aspirin is not that bad. But we have more contemporary and slightly better treatment options, such as p 2 12 inhibitor. Not a major difference, perhaps, if you will. But there is no penalty to pay. Actually, the safety even speaks in favor of p 2 12 inhibitor. So the question would be: Why would you still give aspirin in today' practice? I would not be able to answer that and yeah, there are some newer safer
0: aspirins out there i like the plx compound lower rates of erosions and ulcers uh, with the use of that so maybe a little bit safer profile there and also better absorption so this is for regular aspirin with the aspirin that was used was this enteric coated aspirin that was used? Was
1: any kind of aspirin, including low dose aspirin and high dose aspirin with high dose was defined as greater than one hundred milligram a day, and there was no signal for heterogeneity there actually, I have to say.
0: That's gonna be my next question. So yeah. thanks for answering Marco.
1: And importantly since you spoke about GI side effects. We also look into the PPI, yes or no. We had actually a quite large group of PPI patients. Also there, there was no signal of clear heterogeneity.
0: So the similar findings with or without a PPI, and the PPI does add cost to the whole thing and has some baggage of its own as well. Well, Marco, congratulations. Five years in the making comes at a very important time as we're trying to figure out what combinations to use, how long to use them. I think we're seeing less is more. And this adds to that story. Marco, thanks for joining us. And thanks to all of you for joining us here live from ESC
1: 2022. Thank you very much.